Whoa. That's shocking every time we hear it on Ash Wednesday as the smudge of the cross is put on your forehead and you are told from dust you came into dust you will return. Shocking every time. And this practice of smearing ashes in the form of a cross on foreheads goes way back to 325 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea, where we also get the Nicene Creed. But at that time, they said, we are going to make Ash Wednesday official. And so that means even before 325 A.D., the practice of ashes on heads on Ash Wednesday was happening. Well, Ash Wednesday holds two things together, dust and cross. So we begin this morning with dust. This reminder that from dust we came to dust we will return, that our bodies are mortal, that we will die, that life is fragile and brief. We are reminded that in this world there is sin and separation, as Susie just read, from the first story of temptation. There's something that's broken. But with the dust, we are holding together another thing, the cross. There's these two things mixed together, the dust smeared in the shape of a cross. Because the cross reminds us that sin and separation have been dealt with. The cross reminds us that death has been defeated, that life has been given, that forgiveness is complete. And so in the cross and in the dust, we are holding these two things together. This thing about our humanity, that we are both mortal and eternal. That there is both ugliness and beauty. That there is something that is here and now, and there's something that will go on forever. (laughs) There is poverty and there is riches. So perhaps the greatest activity of the church And we feel it perhaps the most during the season of Lent is that we together are preparing to die. And with that, we are also trying to live fully, holding those two things together dust and cross. We we certainly say, yes, we are mortal. We get that. But we also need to say, yes. There is something that God did to make us alive, and we want to live in that. And so when we hear that phrase, from dust you came into dust you will return, those are the beginning and the end, but there's a long middle in between to live. And that is the divine life, the spiritual life that the cross makes possible. That's where we have hope, is in the cross for this life. So the question in Lent is, how will you live How will you live? Because our scripture reading is the temptation story that you should not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. It's a temptation. And this temptation is is to pull us away from God and to make ourselves greater. George MacDonald, way back in 1905, preached a sermon where he said, the one principle of hell is that I am my own. And here in the temptation, we see this, this pull away from the creator to be your own, to make your own decisions. We are pulled in temptation to live a life separated from God. God created us to live in him and with him, to delight in God, to have the mind of God. 
And the temptation is to pull us away from that. The temptation is to say, I am my own, rather than I belong to God. Here's a little excerpt what McDonald preached. Maybe this sounds familiar even today in our world. For the one principle of hell is I am my own. I am my own king and my own subject. I am the center from which go out all my thoughts. I am the object and the end of my thoughts. My glory is and ought to be my chief care. My pleasure is my pleasure. The kingdom, my kingdom, is as many as I can bring to acknowledge my greatness over them. My judgment is the faultless rule of things. My right is what I desire. The more I am all in all to myself, the greater I am. Yuck. And all too familiar in our culture that says, you are your own. The temptation is to pull away from our creator and say, I am my own. I am more than dust. But in contrast, God's invitation to us, God is inviting us into his one heaven principle, which is, you belong to me. Belong to me. And God is the one who can breathe life into dust. The Heidelberg Catechism is a teaching tool for centuries for learning the Christian life, learning about God and the ways of God that the scriptures talk about. And the first question, it's in a question and answer format, the very first question says this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So we hold together the cross made out of dust because we say we are mortal and God, you have made us alive, spiritually alive when we belong to you. Well, second, ash. Ash is very similar to dust in the Bible. So we aren't very far away in these two words being used interchangeably. But ashes in the Old Testament often represent mourning and grief and repentance. Perhaps you've heard this phrase, to put on sackcloth and ashes. This practice was a cultural practice of making an inward reality of grief and mourning and repentance an outward expression so that the people around could see, oh, you are in grief or you are repenting. Perhaps you remember when Jonah finally made it to Nineveh. And he gave his message there. And the, the king of Nineveh received the message and repented. The king took off his kingly robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So ashes is this symbol of grief and mourning and repentance. And our Ash Wednesday ashes, they also hold two meanings together. There's something held that seems so contradictory but it's being held together. This idea of mourning, but also praise. Praise. The ashes that we use to smear the cross on foreheads were made by burning 
last year's palm branches. And we have a picture of this happening on Wednesday, right? The palms of praise last year on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, the week when Jesus entered Jerusalem and people shouted out, Hosanna, great is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and laid down the palm branches on the road before the donkey as it entered town. Those palm branches of praise become the ashes on Ash Wednesday. Again, there's these two very contradictory things seeming to come together in this morning and praise, right? That, that this thing of praise is now burned to become representative of our mourning and our repentance. How does that work? But what seems to be in this symbol is the fact that all of life is muddled together. There's this mixing of mourning and praise all together in one. You can't separate your mourning from your praise because it is all one together in you. And more importantly, God is holding you as a whole. God isn't separating out the good from the bad in you. God is holding all of you. He is holding you complete. So, the beautiful and the ugly go together in the ashes of mourning and praise. Jan Richardson wrote a poem for Ash Wednesday. Hopefully you can enter into this poem this morning, capturing how these two things come together, ashes of mourning and praise of God's glory. This is the blessing, the dust for Ash Wednesday. It says, All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day we freely say we are scorched, This is the hour we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes, what makes makes its home inside the soil of the sacred earth. So let us be marked, not for sorrow. Let us be marked, not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge we bear. Amen. Third, we come to resurrection. And there's a specific gift of winter that I enjoy. Because in the darkness, when the sun doesn't rise till later, and because the leaves have fallen off the trees, as I sit in my chair in the morning, the light can shine in 
from the cross up on Mount Lindo Cemetery. Perhaps you can see this poorly taken photo of the cross way off over there, just past Al's gutter. But every morning, that light shines into me and is this reminder of resurrection. And every morning, I've been greeted by this, and I just think, ah, resurrection, resurrection, the hope that is in resurrection. And once again, there's two things being held together even in resurrection during the season of Lent. There's the resurrection we look forward to someday, and there's a resurrection that's happening now, today, and every day. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. We are not going to take a whole nother hour to unpack those words. But in this, Jesus is saying that whoever believes in me is made spiritually alive. That you are given the divine life so that inside of you now is the spiritual life that goes on into eternity. So when we have this cross up on Mount Lindo, there is a cemetery of people that are waiting for resurrection someday. Waiting for their bodies to be raised back up when Jesus comes again. And we have hope that we will be one day raised but there is also hope today that resurrection has happened now already in us. That Jesus said, when you believe in me, you have life now. It's not just that you get into heaven someday, but right now you begin the spiritual life. You've been made alive to live. And so in this resurrection hope, we know that Jesus died, rose again. We too, our bodies will die, but also we have hope that we will rise again. And until that happens, and as we live in this life, we live a resurrection life. We live alive, receptive and open to receive from God, to do good in this world, to make a difference. So here during this season of Lent, we remember that from dust you came and to dust you will return. We are mortal. Our bodies do die. But in the in-between, we live. And the ashes and the cross remind us that we have hope to live. We've been made alive to live. And so now as we wait for resurrection someday when Christ returns, we wait alive in the resurrection that is today. In finishing, I would invite us to read the Heidelberg Catechism question number one together. I mean, just as this building was built with bricks and mortar holding it together, it was actually built by Heidelberg Catechism number one. Because these walls are probably being held up by these words, having been said so many times in this space, being prayed so many times in this space, being memorized by the children so many times in this space. So once again, we say these words, and I invite you to say them as a statement of faith, 
And if you don't have the faith today, hear it and be lifted up by somebody else. And I encourage you to say it as a prayer. Making this your prayer to God as we begin the season of Lent, remembering that from dust we came, but you have breathed life into dust. So the question, I invite you to read it with me. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen.